Welcome back to Sci-Fi and Fantasy Read-Along. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> hey, that was my line. No, I'm doing great. I'm doing fantastic. Of course, you would do fantastic. I would. Comics. Yes. 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 <laughs> well, we're going to talk about Chapter 9. Is it 9, right? Yeah. Nine. Chapter nine. 9 today of Three Sigmata of Palmer Eldritch by Philip K. Dick. It is a direct continuation, basically continues Chapter 8 almost directly. We begin with Barney Mayerson and um, what's her name? Anne Hawthorne. Anne Hawthorne, yeah. Who has just come down from her candy experience. She's real sheepish, and Barney's going to walk her home. Such a gentleman. It's a very chivalrous thing to do. This is their first night or day, first 24 hours on Mars, correct? Yeah. yeah. She was all the way over in another hovel. Like half a mile away or something like that. Something. And she's like, oh my God, this is a den of sin. <laughs> and she's like, I don't know what I can do here. She runs to Barney and she takes all this candy, like almost selfishly. She didn't offer any to Barney. And like she just takes the whole candy bar and just like shoves it down. You guys were saying pre-show. Now, is was this an attempt to find the religiosity of candy or was it just full on despair and she's like well if the people are gonna do it i'm gonna do it too i think it might have been avoidance but she did suggest in last chapter that she was feeling kind of temptable as in she would go along with most things that came to her if necessary but that is last chapter so well yeah but it, 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 it sums it up again here and like three pages in where she says, I couldn't stop myself, Barney. It's like what Paul says about the corruptible man putting on incorruption. Does that make any sense? None. Can you give me context? The context is drugs and escapism are the corruption, and she finds herself corruptible, and so does everyone else. Some people find meaning in it, and some people don't. But for her, it doesn't fit. Which she explains to Barney on the walk home when yes. he asks her, how was it? And she's like, it was shallow it was materialistic it was all about having dyed hair and fancy cars and boyfriends well that's what the people in the colonies probably still want to have i mean i can see the appeal if you don't have any of that stuff but i can also see that getting really boring really quickly and, and we find that out since Anne was in a trip along with the other members of barney's hovel Chicken pox prospect. She got to hang out with them as they were exiting. So she probably had like an hour or two and probably got to stick with them about 20 or 30 minutes. She said they were like arguing with each other mm -hmm. and it wasn't a, it didn't seem like they were having fun. Yeah. That didn't sound like it to me either. The first time we saw them do it, it did seem, well, it was, uh, oh my God, it was Sam and Fran going off on their own to have an experience with each other without the other members. So, you know, a nice little getaway. Sneaky, <laughs> sneaky. I don't know if candy necessarily was the important thing. It was the fact that they were the ones doing it. Yeah, but at the time, that was chapter three, Sam went on and on and on about what a religious experience it is and how it's transcendent and how it effectively, I don't know about brings you closer to God, but it's certainly for him, it was a religious experience. And now you get it, from a completely different perspective. Maybe it's worn off. I don't know how much time has passed between then and now, but now it seems like he's had a different opinion or as a group, they just, they're burnt out on it because it's effectively a false path towards 
transcendence. Well, not only that, but they were also doing candy on the last night of doing candy before they got choosy and, you know, in their, their hobble instead. You know, their whole premise was that they were going to show Barney a good time. Maybe they don't have good times that much anymore. And, you know, a new person, you know, would normally be. But here we have Anne just being flung into the room with them, and she doesn't know who any of those people She's are. That must have been. Nut. Well, awesome. I, th- you know. Well, there's that too. She, sure. The, she's, <laughs> she sort of is, and she sort of isn't. If she's a nut, she wouldn't give it up on a dime. She is by their standards. What I got out of this is that candy is like a false path towards finding God. You're never going to do it. And you're gonna you're never gonna really find a religious experience because there's nothing there. It's hollow. It's superficial. It's make believe. You're never gonna find God in something that you yourself have created. Well, it's certainly not satisfying to her, and she's tried it. Yeah, and it's not really satisfying to the others either. It just took them longer to figure it out. Sam already knew this. I think that was the point way back in chapter three was that he was ready for a, a more potent experience. That he was dissatisfied with it as it was. But it was more than just a uh, a junkie looking for a stronger fix. For him, yes. Not necessarily for the rest. The others didn't even necessarily seem like that the, that they were getting what Sam was getting out of it. Hey, man, everybody needs purpose in their life, right? And maybe this is where Sam is deriving his purpose, because it's certainly not farming for him. <laughs> for any of them. Yeah, I know. They let all their stuff go derelict. It's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> it is. Embarrassing. All right, so you brought up Paul earlier when I was giving you grief about context, Philip. Yes. Because on their walk home, Anne says that it's a difficult thing. She realizes that she's temptable, and she's going to pray on it. Have you ever read Paul from the New Testament? And Barney's like, who? She said Paul. She didn't say from the New Testament. And then she's all from the New Testament. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Paul McCartney. If you said, have you read Paul, I would be like, Paul who? Paul who? And then if she said from the New Testament, I would be like, (laughs) don't be ridiculous. Yeah, but she, yeah, exactly. But she's. But I mean, in the 24, 48 hours that Barney knows Anne, he knows that everything is going to be religion based. He should know. Yeah, 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 absolutely. If you know Paul, you know Paul in this situation. (laughs) All right. So what is Paul's point? Because she's bringing up, she brought up Paul for a reason. And it's not it's not super deep. It's just a reason. It was something about death, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. It was a little bit more than that. It's one, it says, he was talking about our bodies and our souls. And he said, both have to die, and then they can be reborn again. And I don't think they mean reincarnation here, although they may. I was thinking about um, how we're reborn in heaven. It could be Buddhist as well, but I don't think so. Uh, and then there was the other part about being translated is the only hint we can have of at this side of death. Paul said the first part of that, but the second part is all their inference afterwards. Paul said death is the enemy. But that's where choosy candy. Gosh, darn it. I tried really hard that time. That's where candy, that's what they say gets you as close to, I wouldn't say death, but as close to rebirth as possible while still being alive. It's a taste is what she said. It's a taste. Mm Mm-hmm. I think for her, it's, she has this epiphany or realization that the pathway to God is not going to be found through materialism and superficialness. Surely she knew that before she tried candy. Um, hey, you don't got me over a barrel because I see it too. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of the real <laughs> reason why it just felt like it was so much more despair 
when she was taking that candy. There was a lot of despair that drove her to take it. But, like, I'm wondering if it's not a little bit more subtle than you're saying, Philip. She never tried it before, for one. And she heard about it. She knows that people are likening it to taking communion and possibly, like, this rebirth. And so she wanted to try it, first of all. And she did, and it did not pass muster for her. But she probably has super high standards in the first place. I don't know what communion she took, but it didn't do anything for me. Come on. I mean, (laughs) yeah. What? One little sip of sweet wine and a bland cracker? No way. Yeah, tasteless cracker and watered-down grape juice. I mean, Yes, but in this world, they have candy. I don't understand the connection myself. But, like, you do become another person. You think you're another person. You commune with other human beings. That's pretty powerful. It's super potent. It could be your religious experience. And people do take it that way. And she wanted to try it. But it, to her, is a materialistic thing that she doesn't like. But choosy. Choosy sounds like the real deal. But then again, she's just buying into the advertising. Yeah, but she said we could have it now. And she emphasized, now. We can have it now. And you find out she's been ho- she's had a whole bag of it, of choosy. choosy. Yeah. She has no choosy. Yes, she does. No, she wants to buy it. No, no one has choosy. Nobody has I Nobody has choosy. Though. I thought she said she had Tomorrow a bag night. of it. Tomorrow night. No. Oh, she has a bag of pa- She has a bunch of pamphlets. Oh. Is what she has. Okay. Okay. okay Advertising okay. for choosy. Okay. So, should we just talk about Choosy's advertising? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, they have a um, tidy phrase that I think pretty... It would This would uh, appeal to a lot of people. I would try it based on this advertising. <laughs> pro- they, they say, God promises eternal life. We can deliver it. What does that mean? That's... Blasphemy to say that they talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You it's should for definitely. sure blasphemy. Yeah, yeah. Firstly, using God to sell something it, right off the bat sounds blasphemous to me. And yet, but when you when you are so arrogant as to say that you can do what God promises, yeah, it's like it's it's now. This can happen now. God promises is in the future. You got to do all this stuff to make it happen. All you got to do is take choosy now. It that line happen. right there was my first hint of revelation. Ooh, revelation. <laughs> Are you making a pun? Uh, yes, because, yes, exactly what I was doing. I was making a pun. And I know you mm-hmm. hate puns, but it was good. I had a re- revelation, but not a religious one, just, you know, a literary revelation. Mm-hmm. I told Yule in the last episode that he should be punished for making one. Oh, what's well, just because you hate puns. <clears throat> It is in itself a pun. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Anyway. Ha, ha, ha. A pun pun is a punish. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I missed it, but that's good. Punish him. I like it. Oh, sorry. I'm not that fat. That's why I get tickled because it's like puns are just like tickle the intellect and then, you know. (laughs) It just tickle it. (laughs) You're not tickle my intellect. Just a little tickle. What does God promise? He promises eternal life. We're kind of familiar with this concept if we grew up in Christian families, right? So what does it mean for a product to do that, though? Man, if a, if a pill or whatever they use to ingest it can promise you everlasting life, mm-hmm. it's hard to not want to take it. 
Well, that's what the advertisement claims is it can offer eternal life. And um, it is blasphemous. Barney thinks of it as such. He thinks that Palmer Eldridge should be struck down for it. But alas, that is not going to happen. And they arrive back at Flax Back Spit, her new home. Well, here's here's my epiphany coming off of that pamphlet. Well, you remember that question or you had brought up the thing about the big lie and the big truth? Um, that was before we began recording, but yes. Yeah, well, it's that section right there. And I read that section, and I'm like, I had this massive epiphany. Palmer Eldritch is the Antichrist. Okay. Oh, and this whole, yeah, book, this whole book is an allegory for the Antichrist coming and taking over. And you know how it's like aliens are inside you? Well, the aliens from the proc system are like demons that possess people and take their form. Is that true? I don't know if that's true at all. In the book, they, they talk about, we don't even know if Palmer Eldritch hasn't been eaten up and taken over and all this other stuff. I don't know why they suppose that, but they have. So there is at least, you know, people well, it did, that... It did, and that was one of the things they said, is something took his form or ate yeah. him up from the inside. I nobody's think of, like, Men him. in Black when I, well, I know nobody's that, seen You him. know, the guy who wears a skin suit? You know, he kills the person mm-hmm. and jumps inside. What? The big cockroach Was guys. there more to your theory, Philip? Yeah, it says, you know, an evil vi- an evil visitor oozing over us from the proc system. He said to himself, yada, 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 offering us what we've been praying for for over 2,000 years, which is the return of Christ. So mm. we're not getting Christ, which is, and that's supposed to bring us. Obviously, right? Yeah. Obviously. Well, I, I think this is the Antichrist come to promise us salvation and promise us um, uh, eternal life, and it's all it's all fake. It's all a sham. Mm, that sounds good. I like it actually. I don't think he brings. Uh, I don't think there's any Judaism in this because I wouldn't know. Um, I I just feel that like well, Christ isn't accepted as like God. That's the main okay, thing I that you. I know. And it's just kind of interesting, you know, when you think of like other religions and how these things might play out when you're reading this, it this doesn't sing to me necessarily. <laughs> well, they glossed over it, but at the very last sentence of that, my epiphany there, where it talks about Palmer Eldritch being, you know, the Antichrist, it says, he, capital he, uh, who has protected us in the past, simply sits passive. And then he's talking about Christ at that point. And what he's saying is Palmer Eldritch has come and he's the Antichrist while he, Jesus, is just sitting passively by and doing nothing. God passively offers you eternal life, but we're going to give it. Yes, but there's no salvation there because it's fake. It's false. It's heresy. It's a prison. (laughs) It does seem like it's going to be, yeah. Well, I mean, and and that's the whole crux of everything is that these people are coming to, or these things are coming to take us over. And they're going to use this implement. They're going to implement this thing into our our being. All they're going to do help. is give you the option to take it. And you're going to because you've been craving it for 2,000 years and didn't know it. And then uh, thereby they will control you, I guess. I don't think they're coming, though. I think that right. was imp- it was implied that they they were going to do it remotely. Well, I think this is the remote, yeah. remotely bit, right? Sure. Yeah, sure. It's a good metaphor or an analogy. I guess it's a metaphor that you're identifying, Philip. But did you guys like the frog metaphor that the author used? We're back home at Flaxback Spit. Mm-hmm. She has arrived. She's at the door. She's got her lantern. She opens the door. She puts it inside. And then she turns around to Barney with her arms out and says, Oh, Barney. God, this guy. He's like, run away. Let's 
Come on back to my hovel. He does. We'll get married. He, he does. He does this again. This He's is like known a, her for two days. Well, two days, but you know it's going to be fifty years of knowing her for two. You know, man, they spent the flight together, most of it not talking, and then they just spent like a thirty-minute walk back home or something. How long does it take to walk half a mile in the dark? About ten minutes. Okay, so they spent about. 20 minutes together, not counting the time they spent on the flight, and he's already proposing marriage. I mean, it's just kind of nuts. Well, but she's giving her body to him right now, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I thought you had Christian morals. Like, at least at least wait. Do it in the sanctity Dude, of marriage. this is the future. <laughs> I don't know, like, what future you live in, but in the future, you know, it, based on the 60s, free love was the thing. Uh, maybe so, but, uh, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, you you can't be Christian and, and promiscuous. Why is sex immoral? Well, that's what the Bible says. Does it? Oh, yeah. Well, it, it's not immoral. Uh, it's when you aren't married to the person, it's immoral. I didn't. Th- right? I thought it was just if you were married and you were having sex outside the marriage, that was immoral. You mean adultery? Yeah. No, adultery is a thing you don't need to be married to commit. <laughs> Somebody has to be married for someone to commit adultery. I don't think that's the way it works. Uh, there's one person has to be married in the pair. I don't think so. There's this thou no, shalt yeah. not commit thou adultery shall not, beforehand. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, but that's this is Why different. don't we look up what adultery means because yeah, somebody has right. to cheat on fun. somebody for uh, adultery okay. to be a problem. Oh, I can't okay. wait. I hope this stays in. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like obviously we 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 haven't cared enough in our lives to know what it means. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, man. You can commit adultery without being married. Voluntary sexual intercourse between a married person and a person who is not his or her spouse. All right, fine, fine. But all still, right. Barney's one thing is all game for doing it within the sanctity of marriage as soon as he possibly can. And she's like, no, let's do it now. And I'm like, she's supposed to be the moral one. But... That's beside he the point. ignored her in the last chapter when she said that she was down DTF, and now she's like crawling into his arms and telling him that it's time now. Do it now, Barney. And so, was he being gentlemanly before? I mean, he I did know. think that she was attractive on the flight, but he didn't go for it then either. You, right on the flight, but uh, on the flight. in his hovel, chicken prox, chicken pox yeah, prospects. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, well, I mean, she's down. I mean, Dude, she okay, didn't so. even remember his name. Well, they were having sex when she doesn't remember him. And she could be excused. They've known each other for 20 minutes. Right. <laughs> anyway, so this is really clumsily written, kind of irritating scene. A little unbelievable. A little unbelievable. <clears throat> and then there's the no, frog man, analogy it's... at the end. I, you oh, know, my, frog metaphor. Excuse me. It's tell a, me about I this. I don't want to know. To be honest, I don't know. Like it's it's. What does greenless mean? What does greenless mean? I mean, it's I, not good. Well, hey, do you remember when Isaac Asimov was criticized for not writing about women, and his excuse was, "I don't understand women, therefore I don't write about them." I'm sorry, mm-hmm. Philip K. Dick should have taken a lesson from Isaac Asimov on how to not write. Yeah, exactly. How to not to write about women, something you don't understand. Because to me, this was clumsy. It was uncomfortable. It was forced. It was. The entire act of it in the book was clumsy and forced, and they couldn't breathe. Yeah, because they're having sex on the surface of Mars where it's frigid, cold, and there's no air. At night. Yeah. Again, this is still coping going on. Probably for Barney also. I mean, he didn't take advantage of his hobble, although he did kiss her. She was going under. 
they were talking about getting it on in the dark earlier in the chapter, this chapter. I don't know if that's what they were talking about. What were they talking about? I don't know. I meant to ask you guys about that too, but we did kind of by- bypass it. Philip thinks I forgot that's how it was phrased, but it was basically like, well, you know, you would regret it later. You would regret it later. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And I think it's like you know, putting out for me now. And again, I think it was Barney being somewhat gentlemanly. You might be right. You might be right. You only get two. <laughs> Third time he's going in. Third time. Yeah. I say no. I say no. I don't say anything. Oh, fine. Yeah. It's just good. <laughs> yeah. That's a Barney. I had this thought, though, that, you know, Barney at this point in this book seems to be the chivalrous one. And he's died and he's gotten, I wouldn't say gotten morality, but it seems he's really more cognizant of his failings and he's aware of them and he detests mm. that part of himself. And so this woman comes into his life, and she's throwing herself at him three times, and eventually he gives in. But it's like the temptation—I would say it's not the temptation of Christ, but it's—it's it's a real close analogy. What is that? The temptation of Christ. That's the devil in the desert for forty days, right? Exactly. And Jesus tells him no multiple times, and he—he he doesn't give in because you know Jesus is perfect. He's like, no, I—I I can't be tempted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Barney's just immortal, and no matter how hard he tries, he's like, all right, fine. <laughs> he is in a desert. I, I think we can excuse the clumsy, I mean, firstly. Hold on, you'll hold on. This is one page, I know, one page. I know, it's one, one paragraph. It's, it's not even, it's one the whole paragraph. act is one page. Yeah, that's great. And it is funky, and it is clumsy and clunky and everything, and they didn't even get out of their entire, entire spacesuits. They dare they not. Or whatever. They dare not. Um, the yeah. only part that I really honestly had a problem with, I mean, mostly it was just humorous to me because I, I think that like terms like make love to me are ridiculous. But the last paragraph, which I think corresponds to her orgasm, has to do with the dissection of a frog and how if you apply electricity to a dead frog's legs, they will move. Oh, he's tickling her. He is causing her to move and do things, and it, it's just—it was just really, really hard to understand. It was hard to read. He used words that don't exist. I mean, it was—it was bad, and I noticed the entire time, and I didn't enjoy reading it. You were just uncomfortable the entire time. I don't care if they're having sex; that's fine. Well, you know, the irony here is this may be just this may be just Philip K. Dick not being comfortable writing about the subject matter. Hey, like I said, one page. I, I got to admit, I was thinking I'm going to have to explore this frog situation again because... Did you ever um, dissect a frog in uh, science? Yeah, yeah. I, I never did any of that electric electric stuff, though. Uh, they were probably smart to keep electricity away from me. Because, uh, it works with fire, too. If you put frog legs in a, a pan, they'll, they'll jump in the fire. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Man. Huh. I just don't understand what the point is of comparing her to a dead frog. <laughs> Clearly, you've never mind. <laughs> I know where you. Going that I don't know where that was going, but I know where I could take it. All right, so Barney drops her off, and he starts to head home. Sometime later, it's indistinct about how long this whole thing happened, took place, whatever, how long it took him to get rid of her. But he does eventually start <laughs> heading back to his own prospect. But along the way, in the dark, um, he comes across a ship that did not use any retro jets to land. It came down stealth. And he ran into it. 
he <laughs> walks right up to it, and then out comes a man who happens to be a disc jockey. <laughs> when, you, when you say it like that, it just sounds crazy. In addition to reading this book, I also listened to a recording of it. Yeah. And the narrator, when the DJ comes out, it's like, hi there, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> very DJ voice. Yeah, 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 nice. And yeah, the whole, and I'm like, wow, this is, I, I really feel the DJ now. <laughs> this is Alan Fane, who we have heard about. He and his wife are DJs on one of the satellites that orbit Mars. He works for Candy. And he's come down to the surface to surreptitiously give Barney his code book. And a little vial of illness. Yeah, the whole marching orders are spelled out right here. Yeah, for sure. This is some that Barney has to take in. I mean, this is where I really question why Barney is so willing to do this. And maybe will he not do it? Because this is, I mean. They keep adding to what he has to do. For sure. And, like, the thing that they're offering to give him, he doesn't really want necessarily anyway. Yeah, but why does he say? he's Why Why is he willing? Even beforehand, when he was walking in home, Barney was saying that he did something wrong to land here. And it was, well, this is a sin that he committed, basically. And we know he committed a sin against Leo. A perceived sin. And so he's taken that on. And I don't know if that's enough to... I mean, it's not enough send for me. me to Mars. Yeah, well, the word he uses specifically is atonement. That's what Fane uses. I would use a different word. I would use the word penance. Well, either way, Barney wasn't using it. No. Either. He never used those words. He did use the word sin, but he did suggest that he thought that he had to pay for that sin, and that is right. penance. Atonement is to at one it, it means at one to um, to rectify a broken relationship. And he's doing both of those things by trying to help Leo. Just coming to Mars is paying for your sins. I agree. I agree. That's And that's what he said. And now they're foisting other stuff on him. In addition to having to take Choosy and get sick, now he has to j- actually get sick. Well, the one thing I'll say is that when he chose to do Mars, that had nothing to do with Leo. That was, as far as Leo's concerned, <laughs> Leo's like, oh, I hear you're choosing to go to Mars. I would love for you to do this Let me stuff piggyback for me. on you. Do this for me also. Exactly. And so now guilty. we're finding out what that has to be. So maybe coming to Mars technically wasn't him atoning for, you know, full atonement or full penance or maybe even considered that. But now that he's doing what he's doing for Leo... That is the penance. That is the atonement, whatever we want to call it. And what he's doing is some messed up stuff, if well, you ask Well, keep in me. mind, before he left Earth, essentially he was he was bearing all his sins to himself, if not everyone else. He was bearing his sins in front of uh, anybody waiting to listen. It wasn't like that, but... He was foisting them off on other people yes. who didn't have a choice, right? He was a person that in all tens... He basically was committing suicide. He was settling up, and he was telling people he loved them in some or way. Being or being will you marry me? Them. <laughs> or yeah, exactly. Well, he never came out and said it, but internally he was bearing. Men his sins. don't say "I love you," Philip. Or "I'm sorry." <laughs> yeah, not none of that. Not a real man. <laughs> not a real man. Barney's a weirdo. 
So I, I think this goes all in line with he bore his sins, and I, I don't know, there was no priest in there to say you must atone or you must have penance. Uh, but we've skipped that part. Now we're going to the penance and atonement part for everything he feels bad about doing. Which is funny. That's a problem when you self-diagnose. <laughs> you know, you might only have to go to a food bank and you might be okay in mm. <laughs> just one week. Do you remember that book that he had that she had read and had read and he had not? It was I remember that, The Imitation yeah. of Christ. And it's like a parable, an allegory about a guy who is burdened with sin and is trying to get to heaven. And now we've got Barney who is burdened with sin and exactly. trying to get to heaven. Exactly. So, yeah, interesting. All right, so what is the illness? What's in the vial that he's been given? Metrazole. That's not what he's given. Yeah. yeah. No. He's given no. what, what, do you, what it's Oh, metrazole. it's something else like metrazole. Yeah. They did yeah. describe it. It was something from Io. That's right. Possibly from Denkmal, the guy that does the e-therapy. And it is going to give Barney epilepsy. The mysterious Q variety. I, I did look up metrazole a little bit. Its purpose was to induce seizures. It was used heavily for, like, shock metrazole therapy, and a lot of people were dying from it. Instead of, like, shock treatment or yeah, something Yeah, well, like for, that. like, schizophrenia. So they give you both combinations, and I don't know why that was more effective or less effective, but... And then they would use it heavily to for medications treating seizures. So they would induce seizures... And then they would give you something to to treat them. But either way, it sounds like a horrible way to experiment on human beings. In this era, there were uh, they were performing lobotomies oh. commonly in the sixties. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, uh, the state of medicine at that time was not great. It's not great now, but I mean, I think it was barbaric at the time. What? Nothing. I'm, I'm just the med- medical advancements are amazing. They are amazing, right and I mean. When they first, I mean, it wasn't that long ago they were putting like first pig hearts in people and stuff like that. Oh, they tried that again recently. Yamaha ones. It doesn't have to be hearts. Let's not get hung up on that, you know. Uh, Titanium knees and all this other stuff. And medicine might not be, you know, it's fallible for sure, but I mean, it's pretty. It's getting better. All right. So, Barney, it is a very heavy burden that is being placed onto Barney. And he recognizes this, and he's like, well, what's in it for me? Because I think he's starting to realize that people are trying to take advantage of him. And Fane, on his own, I'm pretty sure, says, we'll get you off of Mars. He has a whole um, a whole thing that he says that they'll have to do. Like, you know, I'll have to burn your fingerprints and yeah. all New this face. stuff. You'll have to go live and have to go live it, hang up at, out at Leo's place for a couple years. Well, this is a man that could affect that. Like, he could actually get Barney off the planet. He's obviously got a ship right here. Yeah, but uh-huh. Barney's like, well, what if I don't want that? And yeah. the DJ, Alan, is like, well, of course you want Every Nobody wants to be here. Everybody wants to get off. This is your perfect opportunity. So he's dangling that carrot out in front of him. That was an executive decision, too. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he just made it up. There's no way Leo was like, yeah, tell him we'll get him off the planet. <laughs> There's no way that happened. <laughs> You'll be back in your old job in, like, two years' time? No problem. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was just all made up. Yes, exactly. I think I think he'll just be murdered if he does it. Fane suggests that Barney's life will be at risk the minute they file suit. Like the right. Palmer Eldridge's people are going to come for him. Barney just wants to go home. And Fane is like, let me tell you about Doberman's Law. Be careful with that girl. And Doberman's Law is really, really stupid. It's just that relationships that are super intense are 
proportionately short, right? Especially when something bad happens to him, well, right? Doberman was a guy on Mars. He was the first person to get married on Mars and the first person to get divorced on Mars. He must have fallen hard and crashed. Yeah. It reminds me, actually, of um, the thing that Tyrell said to Roy Batty in Blade Runner, the first movie, right? He said, the flame that burns twice as bright burns half as long. I don't think it applies. Really? Those intense relationships burn oh, out. Oh, okay, okay. That, okay. Do, you, do you see it now? now do you I see do. it now? Hey, you've got to explain oh, it because okay. I always thought that meant like, <laughs> you know, athletes and incredible people. I like how Fane was saying that he saw Barney coupling <laughs> in infrared. Yeah. And uh, he asked Barney, well, who's the girl? And Barney won't let him know. He's like, it was dark. I have no idea. (laughs) I think he was warning Barney off about her because she exists. And they want Barney to do a job for them. And the girl might get in the way. Right. Or distract him or change his mind or emotionally compromise him from his mission. Whatever else. Right. Well, sure. I mean, if he's like, if he gets involved with the woman. And doesn't want to be, the, you know, whoever that woman is. The dark-haired girl, uh, remember? The dark, the yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, getting uh, seizures constantly oh. is probably not going to be a very good thing for that. That's right, yes. That is in there. And part of the Doberman effect is also that, I think is was that, like, when something bad happens to a person, it lessens the amount of time that they want to be around you or something like that, or it gives them a... It, Look at the law again, because I don't remember that. There was something like that. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Nonetheless, it's some. Maybe he was like in in addition to thinking about the Doberman's law, he was saying that you know having these seizures probably it's not going to help. Great thing. It's not yeah. going to help. I mean, he's going to be having grand mal seizures, which are violent seizures. Oh, they talked about coma and that they would be able to solve it, you know, when he came comes They back, have an antidote, would, miraculously an enough, antidote. Yeah, that they'll exactly. give him some year hence when the litigation's all over. That's crazy. Uh, but that's 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 the price he's paying. I don't know if any of that's worth it. I don't no either. No matter how bad I feel about something. I don't either. I mean, I could still go to sleep, I think. He says that he's going to take the toxin, and he is not going to leave Mars, whatever Fane offers him. He's going to make it or break it or not on Mars, hopefully with Anne, but if not, by himself or with someone else. And he's going to start farming in the morning, and that's the next step. Or the first step? I don't know. It might be the first step. He's got to get choosy, make a big old production of it in front of his hobble mates. Mm-hmm. He's got to use it, mm-hmm. and then he has to take the toxin. Yep. So that's... That's the deal there. I don't know. It's crazy, but at the same time, like it does make sense that if he's not actually sick and they test him, they'll be like, mm, you're not sick. So it's good that he's going to be sick. Hopefully they don't detect why he's sick, but um, he's assured that it's a pretty sophisticated thing and that it won't be detectable or at least not identifiable. I don't know. It was a strange chapter. And it's like three in a row that are kind of just humdrum and hopefully working up to something. All of a sudden, I just feel like this is going to be some courtroom drama at the end. <laughs> I mean, it's just going to be lawsuits all of a sudden, you know? It's, <laughs> it's like law and order. One of our patrons yeah. did say that the book 
picked up in the last four chapters. Like that's when the book happens is in the last four chapters. Oh, excellent. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that that's the case because I think we only have four chapters, four chapters <laughs> to go. Oh, well, I guess and, this is it. Um, I have to, I'm, I'm, you know, just being honest, I'm not, I'm not loving the, the middle part of this book right now. Yeah. It was a little uh, unclear. It's unclear. It seems unfocused. This might be the part of the book that he least liked to write. Or maybe the, I mean, except for like when we're talking about like the religion and the philosophy behind that and everything, he does seem to be digging that, but maybe he's not skilled enough to be able to write about it also. I don't know if he's well informed enough to be able to write about it. Right. Well, it seems like he might be a dilettante. You know, he only has a very superficial knowledge of some of the stuff that he's talking about. Because how hard is it? Well, definitely, to, that's me. Well, it's me too. But I mean, how hard is it to draw? You know, create an analogy and keep with it. What is the deal with the frog? He mentioned a frog pond at the end yeah, too. Yeah. Yep. Frog was mentioned twice. Well, I mean, it's in Barney's head. So whatever he's got going on. No, the sex stuff was not about Barney. That was that was the author describing her having an orgasm. Oh, okay. So you think? I don't want to. I don't. <laughs> I mean, she did do that big old moan before. I don't want. And then he I do not want to remember. accept your analogy. They both laughed at each other before, um, or before and during before sex when he asked to marry. Her to marry him, Barney said, "Hey, Anne, marry me," and she giggled because of the chicken pox prospect. Yeah, sure. Or that's what she said. So she was laughing at that, but not at him, his marriage proposal. And yet she said the answer is obviously no. Exactly. What does that mean? Um, is she smart enough to know that twenty minutes is not long enough to know somebody? Uh, probably. I mean, this is like a like an old a wild west kind of thing you maybe you could go into I'm town just serious and pick up a wife, i mean you know? this like they just met it's the most unromantic setting it's like they're on this oh well, i don't know if it's unromantic i mean it's, it's at night it's cold it's freezing cold you're very emotional you, can't breathe. you guys are both very emotional you can't breathe and she's like are you dying well um my two bits are i i'm i'm hoping that the next four chapters as you said are become significantly more i don't know about exciting but certainly more clear enthralling understandable and i'd like some payoff well, for the payoff the yeah. bs of the last three chapters that's for sure yeah but I, I i maintain i think i think this 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 book is an allegory about the second coming not the second coming of christ the coming of the antichrist and i think palmer eldridge for the first said, coming yeah, exactly. So, yes. like, do you remember in the very beginning when Leo Bolero said, it's like, I wonder why Palmer Eldritch went to Prox. It's like, maybe it was to find God. And he didn't. He found the devil. Yeah. I mean, it's very reasonable. I see what you're saying, and I understand everything, and it, it all falls into place pretty, pretty well. But I, I will reserve judgment. I think you're onto something, but I will reserve judgment. Well, I'm not a religious scholar either. Another chapter down, another chapter coming in the near future, chapter 10. I hope I hope Luke's right. I hope it really I really do hope it. I don't want to I don't want to put this one down and be like, "Nope, didn't like this one." I mean, most people that read it have said that they liked it that I've talked to. I've talked to quite a few people about it. Yeah, did you ask them about um, the middle chapters? No, I haven't. You should anything. ask Jeff about um, the middle chapters. I, I will. I will. Yeah. I'll, I'll ask some of my other my customers too. Yeah. I mean, living in Berkeley, science fiction. Well, that's and where fantasy, he's from too, and also he's from the area exactly. 
so there's a lot of people out here that I can talk to that have a working knowledge of these science fiction books, especially Philip K. Dick. Well, it is um, it is among his most famous books. So I assume like the next chapter we're going to get the whole drug deal or maybe they'll start with like the choosy being purchased already. Mm. You know, mm. and maybe there'll be a trip or not. Oh, sure. I don't know. Gotta have something. And then he has to take his toxin, and then I guess the courtroom drama begins. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Well, you know, to be the devil's advocate here, I've never read Philip K. Dick before, and I, I think maybe you, you can get more out of it if you're more familiar with the author and his writing style and what have you, but... You're not getting it yet? No, I'm just saying. You're not I know, I'm not... Well, I mean, I'm reading it. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm merely saying that I'm not familiar with the author and his work and his writing style. That's all I'm I've saying. read better by him, for sure. At least at this point. Well, but who knows? Four chapters, you can your mind can be changed in the last four chapters, big time. Sure. I mean, we're going to remember this book based on how we leave it. When we're done with the book, how we feel about it, that's how we're going to remember this book. Amen, Let's brother. finish it, and then we'll worry about it. All right, chapter nine coming up in a few days. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you then. Chapter 10 hey, coming up. Yeah, 10. Bye, all. Bye. <laughs>